the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 145, and our guest is Jordan Foley. Jordan is the lead singer and principal songwriter of his band, Jordan Foley and the Wheelhouse, who just released their debut self-titled record in August of 2023. Originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Foley now rests his head just down the street from my home in Orlando, Florida. Y'all... This record is outstanding, and I personally know how much Jordan and his band have put into the making of it. He's a dear friend, and I'm honored to bring you this conversation. Everyone, my conversation with Jordan Foley. Just right, I think. But okay. first of all, cheers, congratulations. Cheers, man. Thank you so I, much, dude. I am so excited for y'all. I am so proud of you. I am so grateful that I've had a chance to kind of like be a- around this journey. Yeah. As you put together this record that is absolutely gorgeous, that turned out so beautifully, that is uh certainly receiving already. Um, the love that it deserves. So just first off, I'm proud of you. Thanks, Congratulations. Man. Thank man. you so much, dude. It means the world. I mean, it's... I think, you know, we, we sat here just in the other room yep. five years ago now. Yeah, five years. And we weren't, I wasn't even here to talk about me so much as we, right. were, we were honoring American Aquarium. Yeah. And, and it's crazy to think, like, I mean, at that time, your solo record, Give to Get a Day, was out. Um but not very, not very old at that no. point. Um, no, it was only a few years old. I was, I was, I wasn't even ready for like. I had no idea about publicity and trying to get in. You know, I didn't know how to get my name out there, or like how to go about any of it. You were the first person I ever contacted to be like, "Hey, could could we do an interview sometime?" <laughs> <laughs> well, so. yes, is the answer to that yeah. um, for sure, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested in, to start off, to think about, like, you know, solo record coming out five years ago. Yeah. Um, us sitting down to talk, and 
and then the 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 process of deciding you know what i've got these great songs i've got this uh i, I made this record but something's it needs something else right yeah. can you talk about the decision to go from your jordan foley solo to i'm gonna get a kick-ass band and we're <laughs> gonna fill out the sound yeah so while i was in the studio working on give to get a day while i loved you know everything we were doing on the record with tanner on the violin and you know sarah who i was in a duo with with parlor you know that many years ago and she played keys and it was so new to me and and being in the studio and knowing what to do and really taking it seriously and i, I felt like i was in a bit of a hurry mm. Mm. but i wanted to get i wanted to get those songs out so i had something and luckily I had the friends around me to help me do that. And then once the songs came out, it wasn't like I was disappointed with how they turned out. I mean, they, they turned out great. I, I, I was very proud of them at the time. I was very like, this is a cool start. This is a cool start to where I'm at. But the more I listened to them, the tracks, and the more I was playing those songs out and about around town or at songwriter shows or rounds, I felt like, those songs needed more. See you letter needed like, if we're gonna really make it a, a, a more of a you know, welcomed song into the genre that I'd like to tap into of like the Americana realm, like beyond just being a singer songwriter, the folk, rock esque uh, elements, I'm gonna need something heavier, and I, I would like to I, I I would like to I heard uh, all the instrumentation behind it. Like I heard so much more beyond what it was. And that's where that ultimately started was with those songs. I was like, I feel like I can do more. And then you start to see around town. It's really hard to book yourself as a solo artist and jump on a show, you know, where there's like an incoming band and you're just trying to get on a show because you like that band. I mean, it's really, that's not an easy feat. People don't always like want to hear solo artists. I mean, I do, but like that doesn't always mean that everybody does. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing that if I had a band with me or more than just me, even a duo or a trio or a four piece or whatever, I was starting I was starting to get more like, yeah, we'll book you. Yeah, sure. Come on out and play. And so then I started out with, you know, whoever's available, who's available to play. I had this like Facebook message group of all my friends in town who were in different bands and if I had a show, if I had Folk Yeah coming up, if I had like a show at the Imperial in town that I wanted to play at, you know, get the band, you know, get these guys together and just, you know, let's, we'll go over the songs once and hope for the best, you know? And so then to, to go through that and then to, and then to realize like, it, now if I want a band, I really want a legitimate band of guys that are going to commit to, you know, not guys, but just folks that are going to commit to what I have. Yeah. Uh, I need to start recruiting. And that's how that ultimately started where I, I went I went to the friends that had been playing with me I, in that group message. I said, hey, thank you for everything you guys have been doing, but I think the only way that I'm going to be able to make this work is by actually getting dedicated artists to join, you know, musicians to join this band that I want to start, that we are the band. You know, maybe, sure, are there backup players? Sure. But, like, at the end of the day, you know, I wanted to have, like, a set group and then, man, serendipity is a wild thing. <laughs> I mean, like, it it just goes so far because as soon as I identified that, I grabbed Kevin Green on drums. 
I got Elizabeth Ward. At the time, she was like, I'll play bass and I'll sing. I'll do whatever you want. I really, you know, we became good friends. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'll do whatever you want to do. I was like, that's awesome. So I had those two kind of in the bag. They were all set. And then I went out one night to Iron Cow in, in the Milk District here down the street. And I met Chris Faustman. He was filling in on bass for another band. And we got to talking. And he went on and told me that he was in another, another band for eight years with a group of guys. And they were all real tight and real close. They toured the country a bunch of times. He was playing at Disney Springs all the time. That was his full-time job. And then the, lead, the leader of the band just cut them all out in an, in an email. Oh, God. And just said, all right, guys, that's it. Thanks for everything, but I'm going to go do my own thing now. Okay. So Chris clearly was in this, you know, it was a very, it was still hurt him. You know, that's a very painful thing to have to walk away from something that you really gave, He, you know, he really gave everything he had to it. And he told me all about it. And he was, you know, he was like wore his heart on his sleeve to me. And at the end of it, I said, I need, I'm starting a band. And you don't know my music. You don't know me. But I promise you. If you are in, give me like six months and I'll put this band together. And then one after another, I ended up just like finding his friends that were in that band with him. And Tyler Hood ended up being the last one. Okay. Yeah. So it's the a same band. Story. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Part. So <clears throat> Tyler and Chris, they go way back. They okay. were uh, roommates and they were, they were on, they were in this group and they were the, it was like treated as a trio with them and the leader. And then the other band members were if they had bigger shows. They played House of Blues in town. They played all over the country, New York, uh, all the way up to the West Coast, like to over to the West Coast, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, they made their way around. They played a lot of bars, a lot of venues. They've had some ups and downs, and they've been through the shit, mm -hmm. you know? And so to have a group of guys like that come together and be like, you know, to get through what they went through and to overcome those feelings and just you know feelings of being distraught and upset and feeling like bailed upon to give somebody new a chance not only was i like i was super grateful but i also knew what i was getting myself into because i have to prove to these guys that i'm legitimate i'm not gonna fuck you around i'm right. not gonna screw you over i'm gonna give you everything i got that's how it all started man <clears throat> It's, it's wild. It's wild to think about. It is, it. I it haven't is. talked about it in a bit. So yeah. It's, really cool. it, it's great to think about. I mean, you were look, you, you're looking for that commitment and then for you to find two guys who'd, who'd been committed, yeah. right? Who'd been in it um, is a hell of a foundation. And on top of that, they're wildly great players too, right? Like Absolutely. They're, they're both really good. I mean, superb players. Right. And so on. So for it to happen in that way, I'm, okay, so I want to unpack a little bit of this. So the band starts to come together, and you mentioned um, Elizabeth and Kevin, who aren't in the band anymore. Correct. Um, as it's coming together and as you're trying to have this sort of more, this continuity of a, uh, with the band, right? And you yeah. had been playing tons and tons of solo gigs. I was hustling, yeah, hustling for sure. hard. Yeah, right, was, the grind before the pandemic was looking back like I don't know how I did it. So let's let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, how, how did you do it? I like, don't know. What? I don't remember. Like yeah. it's like, well, I do, but like when I was at, around that time, 
you know, before Give to Get a Day, I went through a really tough breakup and I needed a sense of direction with my life because I felt like I, and I, I left a job. I was a teacher for a long time. I, I thought, you know, I need to get out of that realm and I need to spread my wings and really like find myself, find my creativity, you know, write more and write songs and, and believe in myself. And, you know, I had my parents saying, the only way you're going to do it is if you marry it, is if you dedicate my dad in particular said, marry your music. Wow. He's like, you you have to marry. If you really believe in this, you have to give it everything because it doesn't, oh man, it doesn't come easy. Yeah. You know, I've been very emotional this week because oh, Saturday was just so mind blowing that like, I'm still, I'm still on a cloud, cloud nine from it. So like, Everything of you know talking about all the all the past stuff, it's like it just brings up such like admiration and appreciation, you know, like he, like thinking back onto like how tough that was for me to be like, how the fuck am I gonna do this? Yeah, <laughs> like where do I go? How do I begin? And the number one thing is just give it everything you have. Go to work, work the nine to five every day. Drive in, drive out. Leave it at leave it in the office. Come home, write your ass off. Write the songs. Work on them. Go play gigs, book everywhere, talk to everybody, network all over the place. Like just network, get your name out there. Like say yeah. hi to people, even if you don't know, like it, it takes a, it took a lot for like me to kind of be like, all right, if this is a niche within Orlando, I have to really find out how I'm going to weave my way into it. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, you know, that's really what my goal was before the pandemic and before even the band. And then with the band, it was like, okay, well now I know what this band can do the only way i can prove it is by getting us out there and and having people hear what we have so 2019 we booked 23 shows from start to finish from uh we started in march first show was at uh the falcon bar in thornton park and then like all the way to the very end i think our our last show that year was with matthew fowler at hideaway cafe in st pete okay so we started navigating around Florida because we were like, you know, you can only play so many shows, original shows, like shows with your original music, ticketed shows in Orlando. You can only do that so much. Yeah. You know, so you have so like we had to start like, you know, you have to start setting your goals of like, where am I going to go? How am I going to go about this? Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that was really um, that was my focus, you know, going into the pandemic, I was like. We're, we're grinding. We're getting somewhere. We're going to start working on this record and it's all going to be great. And then 2020 hits and it's like, hold the phone. <laughs> and that ended up, you know, it, it ended up being the best thing for me. Like I, mm. I know, you know, it, it was not an easy thing. Obviously the pandemic, everybody getting sick. I, I had the OG COVID where it really knocked me out for a month and yeah. it caused a lot of uh, were like pre-vaccine. Right? Yeah, yeah, man. Like it <laughs> caused a lot of turmoil in my life that I had to kind of navigate and figure out. I was by myself the whole time you know, living in my apartment with my dog and that was just it. So, you know, yeah, there was a lot of navigating it, but it was, it was a good break that I needed from the world that I was creating because if, if I didn't take that breather, I wouldn't have understood that I need to take breathers, that I need to like set the pace because I was just going and going and going. And I think if I just kept going, I would have burst. I would have, I would have like lost it. I would have had a breakdown at some yeah. point. And I didn't. So it's like, yeah. thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, thank you, 2020. Like, fuck you. And thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely feel the same way about, about that situation. And 
I think for and I and I hate hate it for folks who went through especially hard times, but it was very much uh, a net positive for me because it because it made me slow down. I, so, how did it feel? I got to meet your parents the other yeah. night, and how did it feel to have your dad say, "You got to marry this thing. You got to go for it." Like. You're gonna make me cry, dude. <laughs> like, um, I, it's unbelievable. It's it's. My parents were always like, get you know, going through college, right out of college, right out of the gate. I was like, I want to be a musician, an actor, a writer. Those are the three things I want to accomplish in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna do them right off the bat. I don't know how, but I'm just gonna start doing it. And my parents were like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You just went to college, you got a degree, you need a job. Like, mm-hmm. listen, like, we want you to follow your dreams, but do it smart. Like, be smart about it. Like, you know, get the job, figure out how you're going to go about doing those things on the side. And then and then if it becomes strong enough, then navigate that. Manage the level of its importance in your life. And so I really, I listened. I listened to that advice. And, you know, I didn't pack up my shit and move to Colorado like I thought that was the right way to go or move I almost moved to New York like there are a lot of other op- opportunities right out of college where I was like yeah let's just I'm just gonna go screw Florida this isn't for me and I didn't you know and then um you know it, it, and and so that was like out of college I started asking bars like how do you how do I get booked here what will it take to just let me play mm-hmm. and uh, my parents I kept, I kept telling them, I want to play music. I want to play music. And they were like, look, it doesn't seem like you dedicate all you know, enough time to do that. So if you're going to do it, you got to give it the more time that you need. So to, to go from that to now to where we are with my, especially with my parents, where like they're playing my music on repeat all day long. Cause like they told me when I released, when I, when I played them the songs before they got released, they both straight up told me, like, this is music we would listen to if it wasn't you. Wow. And I was like, well, that's the biggest compliment that I could have ever yeah. given. And they're no BS. Like, I mean, maybe they would have been like, you know, oh, it's so good, Jordan. We love you. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. for them to be like, we would want to go hear you play even if you weren't our son. Like, that's a big feat. My parents are big music fans. They've always loved, you know, they've seen Bob Seger a ton of times over the years, like in their younger years. My mom's first show is Alice Cooper when she was like 14 or 15 and she saw Pink Floyd in Pittsburgh when the dome opened up um, and all the weed smoke like popped out. (laughs) She tells me that story all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So they're admirers of music. So for them to listen and and to be like, what the hell, you know, that's, that's cool. That's a cool feat. And my dad, before we played at the release show on, on Saturday, my dad said, you were born for this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's awesome. It really is. It's awesome, man. That is awesome. It is. It's a uh, well, and I think it's special. So there, there, and there seems to be, <laughs> and I, you know, having gotten to know you, I think this just speaks to a, a lot of it. Speaks to just who you are, but yeah. there is sitting at so context for folks. Um, I got to have dinner with Jordan and his band and his parents and his girlfriend Mariah, and sitting there. It felt so warm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that whole, all, those folks together, it felt 
familial. Yes, yeah. your parents were right there, but also with your band and just like there is a a family kind of feel to it, like a special uh, yeah. belonging kind of feeling, right? Yeah. And I, and I think in my experience interviewing so many artists over the years and being around bands, the best ones feel like that when you're around them. Yeah, totally. And there are, now there are there are definitely uh, exceptions. I won't name any names. I'll tell you off mic. But there are there are exceptions. Sure. You know, to that, and some folks are just pros, and they're able to get up there and do it. And then when you're around them, like as a band, you're like, oh, this is weird dynamic. But with y'all, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, yeah. It it and it isn't. And that's that's what's really special about the band is that. For, again, for that, for every, because everybody in the band now, they were in that band with the other, the other lead singer, you know, they were all in that band. Okay. Uh, Matt Wassum, our drummer, he he went on tour with them a couple times. Mikey Guzman played keys. He was, he was that leader's like right hand man on the keys when since they were in high school. You know okay. what I mean? So there's like, there's already a familial sense with the band. Right. And and I'll admit, like when we first started. And hearing them, when they bring up the good old days or they talk about, hey, you remember that, you know, like I, I I was always wondering, I always wondered if they were going to, I was going to feel left out. Mm -hmm. They never make it a point to make me feel left out. Yeah. And like, that's a weird dynamic when you're the leader of the band. Yeah. Because you, you, cause, cause we're making memories now that like, we're starting our own chapter. We're starting our own story and, and they, we all we all agree like at the end of the day when you when you have a band or you're like having music you also have to build a brand and build a business mm -hmm. but around that business is this like camaraderie and friendship that is just uh unmatched invaluable like it is priceless it is special and i always told myself if i ever have a band i want it to be like that like a family like fast and the furious dude like that's like the real thing like you make it as genuine as you possibly can make it and it is and in, and and at, at its core that's the value of what we have that it's authentic it's genuine and i think that that transcends into the music that we made in the studio and it transcends into it, it shows in the sh in the performance mm -hmm. you know there are mm -hmm. moments when we're on stage and all of us are like when you hit a note we all move the same way yeah, that's not planned. Like, yeah. like yeah. I, I just saw a video of us playing from Saturday night, and I was like, we had this like whole like where we sync, like in sync, in sync, synchronicity. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's so special, and there and that, that in itself makes the band special. Now you know, and and, and I've also been, you know, you have to look at the longevity of it. We don't know where we're going with it. Right. We're all in our early 30s. Like Matt is our youngest. He's he's in his late 20s now, but he's engaged. Tyler's engaged. Yeah. You know, life is happening. I have a I have my partner now. Yeah. Um, you know, and and life happens. And but that doesn't mean that like we can't keep going. It's just like what does it look like in the future? What does we, we have this foundation with these songs and what we've worked so hard to do. Now what? So that's where I'm at is like onto the next like the next feat the next feature and something that i i've told the band a handful of times is i i don't want to be i don't want us to be considered a local band in orlando anymore yeah are we local yeah sure but i want us to be a band from orlando yeah like i want to be able to say we're an americana band from orlando not we're a local band in orlando 
excuse me, like venturing out and playing in the areas. Like we want to start going for, you know, going for gold, getting further yeah. down the line. So what, through that journey of being the band leader and as you, as you pointed out, leading a band of folks that have been together, that know each other, that already have that connection, like what lessons have you learned about leadership and and being a band leader through this whole process? That's a great question. Uh, Thank you for asking that question. Uh, The biggest lesson that I've learned is listening to everybody. Mm. That is that I'm not a dictator. Uh, I'm, I will have, I will give myself final say, but oftentimes I, the way my brain processes is I bounce my ideas off of other people. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm having feelings or if I'm like feeling something in order to get through it, I have to talk to somebody. That's why therapy has always been great. Or that's like why I, you know, if I have somebody to depend on, put my head on their shoulder, you know, like that's always been my thing. Mm-hmm. So with the band, I will say, this is what I'm thinking. Let me hear your thoughts. Uh, that helps us in writing the music. That helps us in planning tours, shows, merchandise. Like To be able to be the leader and also be the manager of things in the current state, I need feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not always easy. But it's not always easy and it's not always, you're not always, I don't always get great feedback. We're not always going to see eye to eye. But if we can all come to some sort of agreement, I think that's important. At the end of every year, I I told them when we first started, I said, at the end of every year, I want to like do, I want to always get together, have some beers, do a recap of our year. And then we talk about where we're going. Okay. And we've done that every year since we started. But the one that we had at the end of the year last year, I was like, we gotta step. We gotta step it up now. We have new music coming out. We, you know, we need to get the word out. We need to stand behind these songs. You know, we're gonna give each and every song its individual attention. Release them each as singles because we believed in all six songs that not one song can hang on to the other one to live. Like each one has its own depth, yeah, um, or its own like stance. It's kind of like a. Tyler put it as like a platter of what we can do. Mm-hmm. Here's what we can do. We have these six songs that are all in different directions. They all don't sound the same, but they still have the trademark sound. Mm-hmm. But here's what we can do. And then we go from there. Yeah. And, and that was really important for us to identify that. So again, as the, as the leader, it's, 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 it, it is, you know, excuse me. There is a little bit of democracy there. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I also have the final say. So like, if there is something that like I'm like, hey, I you know I really believe in this, mm-hmm. and I I give it time to think. We got you know we recently we got offered a show in you know uh, and it, it there there was some like back and forth of like what are, you know does everybody want to be on this? Mm-hmm. Also considering like we have this release show that's in town and this this offer is also in town. How are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. We don't want to combat all this attention that we're trying to drive to the release show. So there's like those levels of things. And then at the end of the day, not everybody saw eye to eye, but I had to be like, I would like this to not be a full band show that we're getting offered. I would feel better if Tyler and I just took it as a duo. Mm -hmm. So we'll still be involved, but let's go in that route so that we're not like 
pressing this. And then in that conversation, I learned a lot. You know, there, there, were, there were guys in the group saying, you know, while I understand us doing this, let's also like consider like we should keep pushing in Orlando. We should keep, you know, keep our steady ground in our hometown. And they're not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong at all. And that's like, I'm taking that into account of being like, we're still going to keep this going. But it's like, I'm also like, my eyes have opened to be, let's expand. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. A couple, couple of things there. One, I, I, and I heard you say this in an interview with uh, Tom and Dan, uh, what kind of what you just mentioned about the idea of the, the songs standing on their own. I, I really enjoy, I, I like that framing of it. Like then that thought process that, Thank you. that like, cause in, in, in I'm going to be totally transparent here. I'm not a singles guy. Yeah. Like I want a record. I'm not either. You know? Yeah. I want a record too. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, <laughs> when you first told me you were doing it this way, I was sort of like, God damn it, Jordan, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, cause I, in fact, like you and I just, uh, were at the Jason Isbell in the 400 unit yeah. show. When Weather Vanes uh, came out, uh, I only gave each single one listen and just put it all off. Put it on the I, shelf. Just because like, I wanted to hear the whole record. Yeah. And so to hear you explain it the way that you did on Tom and Dan about how like each each song is going to stand alone and, the, and, and how Tyler puts it that this is kind of what we can do, I think helps me understand it in a different way yeah. Um, because it's not just we're trying to do, you know, what today's industry requires of us, even though that's part of the equation. It is part of it, but it's not, yeah, it's not the main focus. It's like, it's both. It is. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, side B, Mm -hmm. you know? I really, I really liked that. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so with the record, you and I have talked, uh, uh, quite a bit about the influence of Thomas Wynn on these songs. Yeah. Thomas Wynn produced the record. Thomas Wynn of Thomas Wynn and the Believers. Um, incredible guitar player, incredible guy, incredible songwriter. Yep. Um, and kind of a um, sort of a, you know, I don't think luminary is too strong a word no. in, in this area. No. Definitely no. like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, someone who is respected by everybody who plays music or listens to music around here. There's a Um, legend to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not saying legendary. It's saying that there's like a legend in town to what Thomas Wynn has achieved. Yeah. And what he's able to do as a creative. Right. Yeah. So what did it mean for him to you, for him to believe in these songs enough to say, yeah, I'm going to produce these fucking everything. Like it really, I mean, that's that's still one of those things where I'm like, pinch me. Yeah. There's no, like, I, Tyler and I still sit around, like, it, Tyler and I in particular still sit around and go, can you believe that, like, Tom, like, we worked with Thomas for two years on these songs? Yeah. And, the, and, it's, and it's so surreal for us because Tyler and I both looked up to Thomas for years and we never even knew each other. Yeah. I... I'll give you a little backstory. Cool. I'll give you a backstory on how I met Thomas, if that's all right. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't know if I have before. So, uh, North Ave uh, Studios out in DeLand. Okay. Or near, uh, it was in between Orange City and DeLand right off of, uh, right off of 1792. Okay. 
Um, it was a studio, and my buddy in my science class while at, while attending Stetson my senior my junior year, mm-hmm. senior year. Stetson University for folks yes. listening. Yes. Um, and my alma mater. I was taking a science class, and there was a dude in there, and I had recognized him because I knew he played bass in a band. So I got to talking, and he ended up being um, one of the managers or producer and producers of North Ave Studios, North okay. Ave Records. And North Ave started doing this off the avenue sessions uh, at their studio, and they were bringing in names like 1975. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Oh, wow. Uh, Kaylee Baker, Thomas Wynn, Thomas Wynn and the Believers. And I just started watching all the videos that they were pumping out and was just blown away. And I kept telling my buddy in class, I was like, this is awesome. And that was how I fell in love with Thomas. Thomas's music was watching those videos. Mm-hmm. I watched I Don't Regret on YouTube a million times in my senior year in college. And so then fast forward maybe like a couple weeks there where I was like, that was what I was listening to constantly. Mm-hmm. And I was dating, a, a, a the girl I was dating was a bartender at one of the bars in DeLand. And I was out about drinking, having a good time with my, my fraternity brothers. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, come on over. Um, you know, I, I, I can get you a couple free beers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. And I go over and there's live music going on in the background in the like way back of this bar in the way back i couldn't see who it was but i heard it and i walk up and i see that it's thomas Wynn. Mm-hmm. and i thought that thomas was like not not local i did not think he was oh, like a local floridian i thought he was like like on the cusp of like big time greatness like he's up there in new york or nashville or california somewhere big that makes sense because he's and, that he's that kind of talent exactly right? yeah and so having that, um, and I didn't talk to him. I didn't, I didn't introduce myself to him at that time. I didn't say, you know, Hey Thomas, I love your music. I just, I just sat in awe and listened to his set at the time. I had no idea if I was going to even be a musician myself. I played music. Obviously I played my music my whole life, but I didn't know that if I was going to be, <laughs> I was going to, I love watching you like manage your dogs while we're doing this. This is very entertaining. No, no, I know. No, I know. It's so, yeah, gurgle, gurgle. That's what you sound like, man. And it's okay that you sound like that. You're yeah, a dog. You're but adorable. We're trying to yeah. talk here. And it's so funny. I don't want the folks to have to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so just hang. Yeah. Let's just hang. Be cool. Yeah, with your adorable face. <laughs> if you eat that ball, that ball is probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I didn't introduce myself to Thomas, but I was like, whoa, that guy's local. And that gave me a sense of like, I could fucking do that someday. It gave me a sense of like, as an, as a musician myself, I could, I could go and play bar gigs Mm -hmm. in DeLand, Orlando, Mm -hmm. like around town. And, and that gave me a little bit of hope. And then fast forward even further. Um, I was just telling Mariah about this that I was uh, I attended I missed I missed Wade Way Steep's uh, album release show at the Social sold okay. out uh-huh. 
And I missed it because I don't remember if I, I just didn't get a ticket on time or if I had a show or I didn't hear about it until the last minute. So I'm, for some reason, I didn't get to go. So this is a, a Thomas Wayne the Believers record, Wade Waste uh, Deep for folks listening. Yes. Yeah. And this was like 2016, I think. Okay. 20, around that time. That sounds right. The next day, Thomas and his sister Olivia, who's in the Believers, they went and played a duo set at Park FCDs. Oh, cool. And so I went to that. And I remember standing there and watching, and that was when I first, like, I shook Thomas's hand, but I ended up talking to his whole family who was there. Mm. His brother-in-law was standing next to me, and I ended up meeting, like, a couple of his bandmates. And I just, like, there were just people there. And then, like, and then, like another year or two later, I, I was taking improv classes. And I, after one of my improv, session, improv classes at SAC Comedy Lab in downtown Orlando, mm-hmm. I went to Little Indies where Thomas was playing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I finally like went up to him and I was like, I'm Jordan Fulani. He goes, I know who you are. And I was like, damn, <laughs> and I, was like, cool. I have a lot to ask you. And he goes, all right, let's go outside. And so we just sat there and talked and I had questions for him. I was like, what do you do as a songwriter? Like, how do you manage, how do you manage writing, writing your music? And he told me about how he just keeps writing. He's always mm. writing. Mm. And he tries to never stop. And that's like something that like as an artist that he really focused, focused on. And we just like, you know, shot the shit, talked about life and talked about how all that goes and, you know, how to manage a little bit of how, you know, managing your family and managing, you know, time away when you're on tour and managing, you know, talking with your label. And like, I learned a good bit. I learned Mm. a good bit about getting a manager, getting an agent, how that goes. So that was like the basis of like, getting to meet Thomas all the while I had attended, you know, Thomas and believer shows numerous times in Sanford, downtown Orlando. Like I'll hit, I would go to their shows when I can make it, yeah. but I just never went and talked to him until that, that point. Yeah. And so then another fast forward, Hannah, uh, Hannah Harbor, mm-hmm. his wife, mm-hmm. uh, she and her band, the lion hearts put out this fucking amazing record. Yeah. And it literally blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Like the, the musicality of it and the, the tones of the guitars and the drums and the, the harmonies and like Hannah's so strong and powerful and her songwriting is so fucking beautiful and yeah. raw and authentic. Yeah. And I, w- I became like a huge fanboy of that. Yeah. And I was like, I, I want that. Yeah. And so I remember going to Hannah's show at uh, Will's Pub and being like, who produced this? Because I didn't know anything. I was like, who produced yeah. your record? She said, Thomas did. And I was just like, no way. And she's like, yeah, no, like Thomas, you know, he, he wanted to step up and, and do the produce, the, you know, the production. And I, I remember asking her, like, do you think he would ever work with me? She goes, I don't know. You just have to ask him. And I had to like really build up that type of courage. Ask, yeah. to, was that tough? Was that difficult? Yeah, to, man. Yeah. Well, it wasn't difficult in the sense of I, I was nervous. Yeah. But I also knew that going into it, I have to be confident. I have to be yeah. like, here's why. Like, look, man, you do have a name around town and you have worked your ass off and you have toured. I know your level of your success. Like I've followed you for from the get go. I want you to know this is not about it. This is not a name grab for me. Yeah. Like this is like a right, personal, right, 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 right. It is a personal feat to have you work with us. And I don't know what your cost is and I don't know what your rates are. Like, I don't know how much time you have and, 
and I don't know what your expectations would be, but I just would love to have you involved. Yeah. And that was how it started. And, I, and at first Thomas said, you know, he didn't know the band. He didn't, he had never heard the band. Okay. He didn't know any of the members yet. Mm-hmm. He had only seen me play solo. I think a couple times here and there just okay. in passing. And he went, have you thought about getting studio musicians? And he's like, I'm only asking because it's swift. It's, it's, you know, it's worth the money. Uh, you're going to get the bang for your buck. Like you're going to get really good musicians on this record. Have you thought about doing that? And then just having a live band with these guys. Interesting. And I went, yeah, man, like that's cool. Like, and I love that you're bringing this up to me because it's a new thought. And I want to like, I want to sit, I want to sit with it. Uh huh. But I also wanted to say no way. Yeah. Like, it was like one of those things where I was like, no way you got to hear this band. Yeah. So I was like, if you just give my band a chance, like, and just hear us, I, th- I think maybe you'll change your, you know, it might change your outlook. So he did. He came out. I sat with Thomas. First time he ever came out. We sat across from one another. And I have a photo of, of him taking my guitar after I was done and like trying some shit out. Uh, but he listened to my songs from start to finish of just me. And Tyler hung out in the back corner, like in the, in the other room because he, it, Tyler rents out the studio with, a, with some other friends. And so Tyler kind of had to be there to open it. Uh-huh. But like Thomas wanted it to be a one-on-one thing. And so that was very much like a, when Thomas started hearing what I was doing and he started giving the feedback, I think that's when Thomas realized like, I can do something with this. Mm-hmm. Thomas said right away, look, if, um, if I hear what you have, whether I like it or not, if I feel like I just can't give you anything, if I can't bring to the table what you think I could, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to flat out honest, just be like, look, like I, I, I respect you. No, like no harm, no foul. Like there's, there's no disrespect that like, there's just not a lot I can provide. But luckily it was the opposite where mm-hmm. he heard it and he was like, I think we can do something. And that, that was just like, that was the turning point for us where we were like, okay, like we have, we have the one guy that we've been looking up to for a long time. Who's on board to work with us. Like, let's go. That was like 2020. Well, 2021 when that all really started, mm-hmm. I took Thomas to lunch right before 2020 hit in March, 2020. I think it was like literally February, 2020, where I was like, would you ever be interested? That's where the conversation about, um, you know, uh, studio musicians kind of came into, into play. Yeah. And then the conversation kind of like died down because everything that went down with the pandemic. And then we brought it back up. Uh, Thomas started working at Tuffy's in mm-hmm. Sanford, which is where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how it like got brought back up to fruition. And then you get Thomas in into play with pre-production with us. And his one agreement was, I'm cool with it. Excuse me. I'm cool with working with you guys. I want to I do something with this music so long as I can have Ryan Smith play drums. Now, Ryan Smith, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, was, he worked for the Blue Man Group for a long time mm-hmm. um, in Universal. Uh, very like locally renowned drummer. Mm-hmm. He's on. He's with Shaq Nasty. Uh, he's been on. He was on Hannah's record. Uh, he's played with a ton of different groups. Very successful. Very talented drummer. Thomas straight up said that guy can play anything you put in front of him in like ten minutes. Like you can just figure that shit out, and that's that. So if you if we can have him on there, that's like my stipulation. Mm-hmm. And I went well. Funny enough. 
we just lost our drummer, <laughs> Kevin Green. Yeah, yeah. And we were adding Matt Wassum. And so in talking with Matt and Matt being like on board and being like, yeah, I want to be in the band. I was like, how do you feel about having Ryan play drums on the record, knowing that you're just getting into the group mm-hmm. and you can still help us with pre-production. You're still going to be, have a say in this. Like we still want you to be involved, but like that was like our agreement with Thomas is to have Ryan on. So are you cool with that? And he goes, you mean Ryan Smith from Shaq nasty. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I've been looking up to that guy since high school. Like oh, you wow. better believe like that's awesome. Yeah. And so it like, again, all these yeah. things like worked out to where once we, once we got the ball rolling, it became very natural. Man, you are illustrating again <laughs> what, like what a what a strong leader you are in this context. Like that conversation with Matt isn't an easy one necessarily. No, it's not. But it was with him because Matt yeah. is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. But it isn't an easy conversation, and you do see growing pains throughout the recording process where I could tell he maybe felt a little left out. But, sure. But we got him on the record. He played produ- He played percussion. Okay. Even if it was yeah. like a couple things here and there, like yeah. in Loners, mm-hmm. there's yelling at the end of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was involved in that. Like, he's on the record. Like yeah. there, And we all agreed that moving forward, Matt's going to be on the record. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on, on the music, Matt's our guy. Like, he's, it's not a, it wasn't a sense of, like, Matt can't do it. Yeah. It's that this will help us a long way if we get somebody, <laughs> somebody like Ryan. Hey, hey, leave it. Leave it. Leave it, Eddie. Leave it. Leave it. What do you even, you can't even see me. <laughs> Um, where were we? Okay, so well, we were talking about like Mm. having those conversations, yeah. Um, and then and then the fact that Matt is, you made it clear to Matt. So so you not only were asking, you not only were asking the questions, you know, like. This, this harkens back to what you said about um, listening, yeah. right? Is that you, you ask the question to see, to gauge the, the temperature of the room. How is he going to feel about that? And then from there, making it clear to him also, like you're a part of this thing going forward. Yeah. You know, you are, you're our drummer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so like, I mean, again, dude, like illustrating one, you making sure that you're, and, and this is something I know of you personally, but also professionally now seeing you make sure people are heard yep right ask those questions so that they're heard yeah and then also make sure that they feel included and that is what i was feeling at that dinner the other night right yeah. is the product of that exactly so were there moments i wanted you to feel that too by the way like i i think self i think like there was a part of me that like wanted to i wanted you to feel like a part of the family because you've always been there for me yeah. like as a friend um, it's so cool that our friendship blossomed into what it has become that like you're a part of my musical journey and I wanted you to know that. So I, I, it yeah, was, I didn't want to go off on a tangent on that, but no, I just wanted I you really to know how like, that's what, like, I wanted you to get that sense, which is really cool that you did, but also like, it's because you mean that much to me. Uh, dude, yeah. thank you. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too. And it, it means a lot to me that, that I was there and, and a part of it and that, Cause I, cause I do feel a part of your musical journey, right? I do feel yeah. I've, uh, 
I believed in you, the person, and you, the songwriter and musician, from the moment that I met you. Yeah. Um, and I've only se- that bond has only strengthened over time, and um, I've only seen you continue to grow in those ways. Um, you know, in that time, and so like, yeah, I, I have felt like I was a part of it, and I think that's part of what I'm so excited. I've been so excited to hear you. Yeah. Articulate all these things because like. <laughs> I've been, you know, along You're these watching. steps, right? You're like paying attention. <laughs> like I remember the first wheelhouse show I caught at the Iron Cow. Yeah. You know, and I remember just being like, "Oh shit." Cuz <laughs> cuz honestly, again, transparency, at first I was kind of like, "I don't know, Jordan, like you you when you bring more people in, to and and I've seen so many bands. We talked about American Aquarium earlier. Yeah, BJ's had eighty five members in his band or yep. whatever. I mean, that's that's hyperbole, but it's not too far off. Yeah. Like I forget yeah, exactly. what the number is, you know. Yeah. But but it's not easy to to, to have a band. It's no, not it's easy not. to to be a band leader. It's no. you're it's adding. Not. It's el- not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. You're adding yeah. an element of difficulty when you sure. do it. And a lot of really great bands don't make it not because they're not good enough, but because they can't keep that thing together yeah right and so keeping it together is really challenging and so when you first said you were going to do this i was kind of like oh no dude like <laughs> you know like i don't know if that's a great idea you're not alone on that yeah i had friends being like i've had some friends even from high school being like hey man i see that you're starting a band that's all cool and everything but like i really like your acoustic sound i just want you to know that mm-hmm. and first of all i'd be like i mean thanks but like i gotta grow i have to grow i have yeah. to figure that I have to figure out what my sound needs. Yeah. You know, but you're not wrong, man. You're not off. You're, you're not far off that like having a band changes your dynamic and it having, having a lot of cooks in the kitchen and giving them say or value, you know, value or validity. Like it, it isn't easy, but it is worth it. Uh-huh. You it's know, like a, any relationship, you get the, right? Exactly. When yeah. you get the guys that believe in what you have, I mean, that's like, that's like the test of getting a guy in the band. When Mikey joined, he didn't just join so that he could be with, like he said, he does say like, I I joined because I wanted to play music with my friends again. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up being involved in that where like Mikey and I had been friends, but not to that level, but to like our own level, he wanted to be able to play friends, play music with his friends again. Yeah. But I think what, what Mikey ended up getting was like more than that, that you're getting a more value than just poker night practice. Yeah, you know, yeah, we treat our band practice as poker night every week, but it's but it's also like with intent. Yeah, you know, and we talk shit out and we we practice stuff and I I I give a rundown of what things are coming up and where to go and you know when you start when the band members start to you know back to Mikey. Mikey told me. You know, he heard that fight in the, he, we played that fight in the desert. Mm-hmm. And when he learned the lyrics and he learned, like, he really, like, dove into that song, he told me that was one of the main final reasons why he wanted to join the band was because he just loved playing that song so much. It hit him personally. Mm. You know what I mean? And, like, that's another thing. That's, like, another element. It was, like, I wanted my songs to attach to these band members so that when you see Tyler Hood playing a guitar solo, you know he's fucking feeling it just like the audience is, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. And um and I mean, you know, I was wrong. Like it was the right decision. <laughs> right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, was, you know, it's you got to take a leap of faith. I, I didn't know. I didn't see your I vision. I didn't know what to expect. You know? I could it could have landed it could have landed completely opposite of what it did. Yeah. It could have been like, well, fuck. It, it, I tried and 
you know, it didn't work out. So I'm yeah. just going to keep doing my thing. And right. That's fine. Yeah. I didn't see your vision and I was wrong. I mean, like this is, I'm, you know, sitting here holding the CD right now. And like, you know, I, I've, I've fortunately gotten to spend a lot of time with these finished songs. Yeah. And um, yeah, you were one of the first people to hear them um, away from the band and Thomas and Ryan and, you know, our mixing, our mixing engineer and everything. So it, and it, from the beginning, yeah. it laid me out, you know, from yeah. the beginning, I, I knew, I knew this was special, man. It's a special thing. I, so I, I'm interested because you mentioned, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about your solo record, Give to Get a Day. And last time you were on the show, we talked about it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are some, some of these songs on the new record have been around a while. Yeah. And then there are songs like See You Letter, for example, which is, you know, kind of a, a favorite of folks, you know, of, of fans of yours that, that aren't on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that decision-making process look like in deciding what are we going to do and what are we not going to do in terms of the, of the full band record? Man, so that there are a couple layers to that. So I'll, I'll try to unpack each one. I wrote That Fight in the Desert uh, while I was in the studio for Give to Get a Day. Mm-hmm. I got inspired. I joined this songwriting work workshop with Kyle Keller that was started by Abe Partridge. And there were folks in there that like they're from all over. There was some there was some guys from the West Coast, like Arizona and California. There were some folks. Uh Drew Nix from the Red Clay Strays was in it. He's a lead guitarist for them now. They're fucking blowing up. Mm-hmm. His wife was in it, like Red, Red from Red and the Revelers. They're from they're from Mobile, Alabama. So like, there are a lot of there are a lot of these other acts that are in this eight eight week songwriting workshop. And basically, how it goes is they give you a phrase or a theme, and you have a week to write a song based on that. And the theme was, or the phrase that we had to use for the first week was known by numbers. Okay. I had never heard that phrase in my entire life. I didn't know what that meant. Like, I guess I I just assumed. You know what I mean? Like what that meant. But I sat down with my guitar for days throughout that whole week. Excuse me. And I, I wrote about this concept. I wanted to stray away from writing about my own personal toy turmoil, like my own personal, like heartbreaks and stuff like that. I wanted to try to get away from that. Like give to get a day was like my bleeding heart of like, this is my breakup album of like, you know, heartache and hardship and my heart is bleeding, that kind of thing. I want to I want to venture into ways of telling stories where you hear me, you hear me in it. I'm writing about things about me, but it's a fictional story. Yeah. And that fight in the desert was the first one. And so when I wrote that, I was like, it's deserty. And it's I, I hear this like this like ominous like atmosphere that's mm-hmm. like it's like vast uh-huh. and it's dry, but it's raw and real. And when I played that, when I wrote that song, I was like, that needs to be my now, that needs to be my goal now Mm. of like, I need to start navigating towards that. And then you, me and I start the band and in starting a band, I had to be like, well, I know what songs I want the band to learn my catalog from give to get a day and the songs that I have around it that like, maybe I didn't use on the record, but like, I still play it here and there. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we first started practice back in 2019, the first song that we worked on, I have a video clip of it because we were playing at Kevin Green's house down uh, down the street from here. 
and our buddy Chi-Chi came in with his phone and just started filming us. And we were playing Arguing in a Restaurant. Okay. And that was the first song that, like, I put that song as a live track on Give to Get a Day just because I knew that it had something. Mm-hmm. I knew that it had legs of some sort, and I like the story behind it. And I'm very proud of, like, what it was at the time. Um, it's like a different song now. Dude, totally different song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally different Completely song. Different. And, that, and that was one of the cool things about bringing it. You're good. That was one of the cool things about bringing it to Thomas. Do you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. That was one of the cool things about bringing it to Thomas was, hey. Did you poop? Did you poop? Did you poop? Did you poop? That's great. Yeah. Um, so like arguing in a restaurant became another one of those songs where I can work, I can work off of this. I can build this into something bigger. The, the original track was a, it was like a teaser. In my opinion, we didn't have enough time to put it on the record and thank God we did not Like, I'm so happy that we didn't like give it more effort because mm. excuse me. So glad we didn't give him more effort because of what it turned into. Yeah. Like there was so much more. And I love the story behind behind it. Not just from the initial story. Mm-hmm. The story behind arguing at a restaurant, I, I know I've told you before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tell it's a it's so. it's about um, it's about an ex. I was I was out to dinner with my ex girlfriend and her family at a beef O'Brady's. And Romantic. I think, yeah, right. And we were with her family and her family was big. They were like 10 deep. And mm-hmm. some of them were like little kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when adults talk, I, I zone out cause I don't really like the conversation. So I was hanging out <laughs> with the kids and shooting the shit with them and making them laugh. I'm good with kids. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I have a knack of, I mean, I think being a teacher that really helped yeah. me out too. But <clears> like I connect with children in yeah. a sense of like, I can talk to them at their level. Mm. And so I was just like, I was just hamming it up on the kids, you know, to the kids. They were laughing and having a good time. And I overheard somebody ask a question about the gym we were all attending. And my girlfriend, like, I was in on the conversation and I turned around and I was like, well, I heard this. And she went, you aren't even paying attention to this conversation. How dare you, like, jump in and try to chime in? You're over there with the kids. I'm like, all right, this isn't good. That's not good. Red flag. (laughs) like yep and then lo and behold she ended up cheating on me and now she's married to that guy they have kids so good luck to her but like uh as i like put the finger up in the air yeah but um (laughs) i wrote that song about that and it was it was because it felt like a moment of a shift in my uh in my in my love interests like how am Mm. i going to start navigating people like i give people too much too much of a chance. Oh, interesting. And so I learned that. And so then I wrote that song about how like, you know, we're going to walk into places and act like we own it. Like we walk into this restaurant and act like we own it, but really we're full of shit, man. Like we don't mean any, you know, like we, it's just all just a facade. We're just giving off this whole, and I think looking back at it now, a lot of my songs kind of give off that, like even that fight in the desert, it's like, we act like we, uh, we talk, we act like we we're known by the numbers, but we never hold hands. It's yeah. like you're, sh- we could talk a big game, 
Yeah. And people could be like, yeah, they seem to be doing well, but like, really, are they? Are they good for each other? Is that a real relationship that's going to see the distance and last a long time? So anyway, there's so so there's all that. So then you have the base of this song and the band bought into that. The band was like, we love that. And there was a lot. There's always been like comical moments with me and Elizabeth. When Elizabeth was in the band, I would be like, this next song's about having an argument in the middle of a restaurant. And Elizabeth would always go, what's the name of the song? And I would say, arguing in a restaurant. And everybody yeah, yeah. would always crack up. And then when Elizabeth left, Tyler took over. And then Tyler would say, what's the name of the song? He yeah. did it at the release show. So like, yeah. that's still like one of those things that keeps, go- keeps it going. But what's so cool is that Thomas came in, and we're playing it, and we're playing it. We're playing this song over and over again. And at the end of practice, at the end of pre-production that night, he goes, Jordan, I got to say something. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, that's not good. And he goes, song's great. Yeah. He goes, it needs a chorus. Yeah. And I was like, what? It has a chorus. It's right there. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's a great pre-chorus. He goes, you need like a hook, like a, like a, like a, you need people to be, not be so stressed the whole time. You need people to like have relief of like, of like what it is you're going through in the moment. He said, go home and write, just write. He said, I don't care what you got, just write, bring it to me, bring it to the band when you're done, we'll figure it out. I did that, went home, came up with a new chord progression change. I hammered it out, hammered it out, hammered it out. I had like four lines when really we're fighting on the inside, clearly we're on the outs after. And then like, I, that was basically all I, all I had. But I, I had the chord progression. I was like, I have something here. So I called Thomas later that week, and I said, can you come over and help me? Because I think I have something, but I could really use some, like, assistance. So he came over, and we hammered out the rest of the, the, rest of the lines and the rest of the chorus. And it turned into, excuse me, it turned into this, like, back and forth with me and him where it was like, when really we're fighting on the inside – um, clearly we're on the outs. Mm-hmm. And then Thomas was like, we need an aggressive action. And I was like, well, why don't we burn down the restaurant? He was like, okay. So he goes, after we burn down this restaurant. And I was like, well, what do you do after you do something so like severe? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to rip out each other's hearts. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, let's just get deeper and deeper. Um, and then we get to this, we get to like the, the deck, like we're getting down into the line. Um, and we get to this part where he's like, I need you to, I need you to, I need a threat. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? It was so exciting. Like even talking about it now, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is songwriting. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like, like when you see people like do co-writes and stuff, I feel like there's a lot of dependency. Thomas coached me. You know what I mean? Like Thomas mm. didn't just take it and run the wheel. He didn't say, he didn't say, I think we should do this. And this is, this should be the line. That should be the line. Like he like got it out of me. Mm. And the line where it was like, you can go to hell. I'll tell all our friends. Mm-hmm. Like that's the line. Like for me, that was like a, whoa, like I just, and it was because he was like, give me a threat. And I was like, you can go to hell. I'm going to tell all our friends as if like, you can go fuck off. I'll stay here and clean up the mess. You know what I mean? And that stayed with me. And that line made me realize this song is way bigger than what I thought it was for the eight years that it had been, or the however many years it had been. And then like, and then you incorporate the band. You know what I mean? You get this like new piano hook and you get this like lead guitar solo. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just so cool to see like, 
I had never worked with a producer like that before. Yeah. So for somebody to come in and say, I see your vision. I want to help you get there. You know, I'll give, I'll give Thomas whatever credit he wants after that. What has that done for, and I, so, and I'm seeing it like thinking back to our conversation in 2018 on, Mm, mm -hmm. on record versus our conversation right now. Right. What has that process and maybe just the process of making the record in general done for your confidence as a creative? Cause you feel Jordan, like someone who is recognizing his talent in a way that when we had a conversation five years ago now, and granted you've gotten better, you've played so much and you've written so much and you were very good. Then you're better now. That's just part of the process. Right. Sure, thank you. Um, but, but I, I think back to that time and I think about you now, it feels like a guy now who is, is recognizing, Hey man, I'm, I'm actually not too bad at this. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you right now. Like that, again, I might tear up, so fair heads up. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of moments where like I'm not sure and I'm uncertain about where we're going. I mean, you get that when you're when you're putting your when you're putting this thing out and like when your brand when your brand is literally you, it's your heart on your sleeve, it's everything you got. Like I'm, t- you know, I take a note out of is is Isbel Isbel's Isbel's book of him being like, you know, like especially with his documentary, like you got to be vulnerable and you got to believe that your story is what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Saturday night, that album release show was the best night of my life, oh, dude. Awesome. Like it, it just. I I woke up the next morning and I just kept saying like, if there was any doubt that I might have had before. And I'm sure I'm going to doubt again. And sure. I'm sure I'm going to sure. have moments where it's hard. And I'm, it's not like it's easy. It's not like it's like, oh, everything's great now. Mm-hmm. But it is like the you get the validation that you wanted. When you get artists on a bill that you've looked up to and they're opening for you. And then you look out in the crowd and like you see like 100, almost 200, probably 200 people mm-hmm. at the one haven of a venue that you've been playing at for nine years and you've never seen anything like this. And you've, you know, I've opened for bands. I opened for Mike and the moon pies and that, mm-hmm. that show was sold out. And it was like, I thought that was the epitome. That was, yeah. it. you opened for <coughs> BJ Barham a yeah. few years ago. I thought that like, was the best night yeah. of my life. You know what I mean? And they are, they're all wonderful trinkets and checkpoints of along the way. I've gotten to do such amazing things. Yeah. But to have Saturday night happen and know that everybody was at the end of the day there for me, it was finally like, it was finally a moment where I could be like, all right, this is for real. Like of all those, awesome. e- all these years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you work, you work on six songs for two years. I mean, bands don't take time to do that. Yeah. Artists don't take time to work on music for six years and sure as shit hope I don't take that long to do the next batch. Yeah. I already have three in the three in the trunk. I'm just like trying to more than that. I'm just trying to build them. Yeah. And it's exciting to say like on to the next one. Like that's that really is cool fun. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, have I heard any of them? Paint me a fool. Okay. Yeah. You've heard that one. Yeah. You've heard that one. I right? think so. Yeah. Uh, that's that one. And like back to your talking about songwriting and everything, that one came to me and I told Thomas, <laughs> I remember telling Thomas is like, I wrote this song and 
it you know because he he'll he would always ask me like are you writing because he wants to continue working with us which again awesome. that's even more awesome, awesome. Well, i don't uh, know what that looks like but i at least yeah, know yeah. that like he wants to continue working with us. clearly that's it's really a fruitful cool. creative relationship exactly. though right like clearly it's a special thing that well, you need to continue to nurture totally totally and like you know he's even talked with tyler about working with tyler on stuff oh i love like, that they have a yeah. built relationship now you know what i mean like yeah, tyler yeah. I mean, everybody in the band is good. I could talk sure. about every every band member individually. We could literally be here for hours. Tyler's the best guitarist I've ever played with. Yeah. Like, probably best musician. And that's saying something because I, I have played with some really good musicians. Yeah. But there's just something so special about Tyler's energy, his creativity, his hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, he loves it. You see it in his eyes. We're getting off topic. We are, uh, but but, but <laughs> that's really, like a special thing to acknowledge before yeah, we go further. But really quickly before we, because yeah. we have gotten on a bit of a tangent, but it's yeah. it's worth it because the relationship that you have with Tyler yeah. is so special. It is. It's so special, it and is. you feel it when you're around you guys. You feel yeah. it when you see you guys play. Yeah, it is a special connection y'all have. We we have it is. We have a. Uh, it's like an unspoken room that we we open up. When we in the minds, when we play together, there's like a there's a room that we're both in mm-hmm. mentally and shit can go down in that room and yeah. nobody else knows that it's going down in that room. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like there is like a very special connection with Tyler where I I mean, and everybody in the band knows it. Yeah. And they rip on me for it. One time <laughs> I one time I introduced everybody in the band and I said my best friend Tyler Hood and everybody went, What the hell, man? <laughs> that was at Animaceris. And that was like, you know, yeah. it's valid. Like I shouldn't do that. Yeah. But it's well, all yeah. but it's also I like everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't be where I'm at if it weren't for him. Yeah. So Okay, so let's tie yeah. it back. We, yeah, let's we go got back on, to what on a, a good tangent, yeah. but ultimately, I was just talking about your confidence and your understanding of yourself yeah. as like, hey, wow, uh, your album release show, you having this feeling of, okay, wait, wow, we have gotten to a place. No, we haven't made it, quote mm. unquote, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to rest now and just play a show a year or something like that. Right. But but recognizing that like everybody's here for me. And this, yeah. and these songs, and this band, and this thing that we've done, has to feel incredible, it, and is the product, Jordan, of so much hard work. So, like, so much work, dude. It really is, man. It's been, um, it's been a lot of work, but if you're gonna do something that is that valuable. You better be ready to give it all you got. Because if you don't, there's no fucking point. I hate saying that because I know that there are artists out there like there are artists out there that it's hard to get to that level of of giving it everything you have emotionally or or mentally or physically. And we all have so we're all as human beings, we are pulled left and right in so many different directions, financially, politically, uh, the 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 ecosystem. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's such a it's the at, our atmosphere is so intense these days, um, and has been for a long time. Yeah. So if you, so, like I've just gotten to a point where like, if I'm gonna do it, I gotta get every give it everything I have. If I'm going to fall in love with somebody, I'm gonna give her everything I have. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no point. That's how I got. That's how I, that's how dating became for me. Mm-hmm. I'd go out on a date. It would be all right. And then that'd be it. Yeah. And I would see 
I would see that like, you know, there's no sense in continuing it. And then you go on the date that like, excuse me, you go on the date that hits you mm-hmm. and it, it makes you feel like there's something there. So it, it goes hand in hand with the music. Yeah. For me, it, it goes hand in hand where it, it, nothing's worth doing if you're not doing it with your, with your full sense, your full heart, everything you have, because that is you. You are giving yourself as an entertainer and a writer and, and a, you know, Terry Binion said something to me when she started mentoring me. She said, mm. you have to like your music first. Mm. At the end of the day, you have to like the songs you're putting out. Mm. If you don't like them, then you need to revisit why. Mm. Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And there have been many times where I would re- have to revisit that question and be like, why am I doing this? Maybe I don't like that. Maybe I need to change things up. Um, so to go along with what you were saying about my confidence, like, yeah, man, Saturday night, like that was like the epitome. It was like a wrap up of like getting to a, a big ass checkpoint in my life, you know, but it's also like, okay, now what? Yeah. And I'm constantly looking forward and that is a blessing and a curse because that comes with a lot of like self and self self inflicted battery to an extent mental mentally of being like hard on yourself like how do i top that how do i get better you know and and it's like you got to be better for yourself first yeah before you can play a song for somebody else and be like i want you to feel it yeah i have to feel it first paint me a fool this new song that we're talking that we're talking about it came to me one bit at a time and i got to tell thomas about it Almost as if somebody was writing it to me. I wasn't writing it. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. but it was as if I would be in the shower and I would get a line and I would just keep singing that line over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then it would just stay with me. Mm-hmm. And then I had a verse. I would go, I would get out, jump out of the shower, go to my journal and just write it down. And, and Thomas said, like, that doesn't happen to everybody, dude. So, like, if that is a gift that you have, like, you need to tap into it. And the hardest part of being a songwriter is to be consistent. We were talking earlier about when Thomas said, write your ass off. Uh, I don't, I don't write my ass off as much as I would like, you know, I know Uh about you that you sit down and you write every day. Mm -hmm. That's something that you do. You're proud of doing it. You're Mm -hmm. a hell of a writer, but also like you do that for your own sanity, your own Mm -hmm. like mental state. Yeah. That's something that I'm, it's like that. If I'm going to continue, that's something that I need to put as my priority. Yeah. As a creative, I need to dedicate time to writing. If I come up with an idea, shoot, I was just working today and I came up with an idea about writing a little something dealing with the Wonka Vader, like the Wonka elevator. Uh-huh. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. I don't know the if glass I'll use elevator. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down and I I, I read it out loud to to, to my girlfriend because like she's because like she you know she loves like Wonka uh, the original yeah Willy Wonka and she was talking about getting the Wonka elevator like tattooed somewhere and i was like yeah. what if you do something that like like that and so i thought about like the wonka vader like takes you into the atmosphere and then you you know get me away from this life kind of deal and yeah. so like i my point of saying that is like i'm trying to write down little moments so that when i really go to sit down and map things out i can pull from them mm-hmm. i can be inspired and influenced by my own writing my mm-hmm. own ideas that mm-hmm. i've already had mm-hmm. and then go from there Cause I, and I don't know if I'll use it. I don't know if, I don't know if it's always going to look shiny and nice, you yeah. know, but it gives me a sense of like, 
I'm working with my past self yeah. into my current self to make music for my future self. God, what a great place to be. It's pretty awesome, man. That's a great it's, it's place very, to be. Yeah, it really is. When, it, I, when you say it out loud. Because yeah. like, I, I don't tell people that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a great place, Jordan. <laughs> I mean, hold that, right? Yeah. Like, Feel that and hold it because, man, yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I write every day and the days I don't, you know, I, I off mic was telling you how like a couple of days ago I was in one of the darkest places I've been in a yeah. long, long time. And uh, and I just had I haven't been doing as much as I normally do writing wise. I haven't. Sometimes we need to we need to take a little bit of a break. True, true. But like I picked up my guitar the other day. Can I just leave it? I picked up my guitar the other day and um, and just dusted off old songs. Yeah. I saw our mutual friend Jack Rinka in Jacksonville. Yeah. Jackie Stranger. Yeah, Jackie Stranger. Shout guy. out to Jack. Um, Shout out. I'm sure Jack will be listening. Hey, buddy, we love you. Love you, dude. Uh, I just ran into him. He he wanted some one of many projects he was playing and yeah. <laughs> he plays yeah, in oh, was yeah. was playing in Jacksonville and I was up there <clears throat> and I had no idea he was gonna be there and you know he just he was there. It was so great to see him and, and we have been talking forever about you know doing a show together. Like and I haven't gotten up and played my songs for people in three years now, two yeah. two years something like that. So. Um, I just finally got, I grabbed my guitar the other day and I was like, all right, do I know how to play these things? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I, I, so I just, I went through, I was like, I'm going to do like a half hour set by myself. You know, yeah. I'm going to just kind of go through like, cause if I'm playing with Jack, he's going to be, you know, people going to be there to see him cause sure. he's so damn good. He's very talented. Um, but yeah, I can give the folks a half hour, 45 minutes or sure. whatever I need to do. And so I dusted off the guitar and started playing and it was just like, this is such great medicine. It's cathartic. Oh my God. It's such great medicine. It is. And, and it's like, why haven't I been fucking playing? I say the same thing to myself when I, when I don't pick up the guitar at home, but honestly, I know the answer for me is because I play so much for others Yeah. that when I, when I do that and I've learned this in the last, in the last few years I've learned, and I think I've told you this before in one-on-ones, mm -hmm. if I'm, overexerting myself playing bar gigs mm -hmm. i get burned out yeah and i've learned that i need to take breaks bar gigs being the uh, uh our buddy kevin mains calls them menu venues uh, but, <laughs> um, you know shout out to kevin who yeah. hopefully is also listening <laughs> but uh you know who i he, need to call yeah me too. kev i need to call you man he's the man shout I love, out kevin. i love him so uh, much you know, there's there's a you get burned out when you're when you're playing for others, and what what tends to happen is when you start spacing them out a little bit more, they become more fun for you. For me, they become more fun, mm -hmm. and then they make me want to go and pick up the guitar. Yeah. Uh, so that's been something for me that's like, well, you know, I, and I'm in a new transition. I'm in a new phase. I'm moving close to town. You know, moving into, into Orlando. Which I'm fucking stoked about, by the way. Jordan I will, and I just keep running into each time, other. Yeah, that's and right. It's, it's been awesome. This whole Sanford shit yeah, is for the birds. It's for the birds. I'm I mean, so thanks glad. for everything, Sanford. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Sanford's I'm, great. I'm not shitting on Sanford. No, no, no. But uh, this time this time next month in September, I will be a resident of the Milk District. Hell yeah, buddy. So I'm very excited about that. But, like, that comes with um, a lot of... Oh man, where was I going with that? A lot of like, I I told I told my girlfriend that I'm moving in with. I was like, I want a guitar in every room. 
I was like, I have enough to make that happen. So like, if you're okay with it, can I just have a guitar in every room so that I, if I'm on the crapper, I can go and like, just pick up a little guitar and just like yeah. strum. Yeah. If we're in the bedroom, I can get inspired. And like, you know, if I'm in the guest room or the, the office, like I just need any type of instrument around me because then I will just pick it up and fidget. I'm a yeah. fidgety guy. My hands keep moving. I need, I need to, you know, and so like, if I pick up guitar while we're talking or commercials on TV, yeah, that's when I'm like, my mind's reeling where I'm oh. like, and then I just put, I just turn on voice memo if I like something and I record it. Okay. That's yeah. how you, that, that was a question that I was going to, going to kind of circle back to. Yeah. Um, it doesn't hurt having an, uh, a girlfriend who's also an incredible singer. Super, <laughs> super talented singer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she sang me a song two weeks ago and I literally cried because mm -hmm. every note was just She's beautifully incredible. sung. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. I, um, I can relate. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Man, buddy, this has been, I don't, I have no idea how long. I don't know. It's been a good bit. I could keep going too. I know I could too, but we'll uh, we'll start to kind of kind of put a yeah, bow for on sure. it because I have a feeling, knowing us, this may end up going longer than <laughs> expected. Which is, uh, we always end on what you're getting down on. So, what yeah. is the art that has you inspired at the moment? Could be music, could be a TV show, well, could be a book you're reading. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of a book, I mean, I've been reading Springsteen's autobiography for like four years because that thing is just so long. Yeah. It's good too, um, but it is very good. I just don't pick it up consistently enough. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to finish it soon. I'm almost done. Um, in terms of shows, and movies, and whatnot, I've been watching The Bear. Yeah, on Hulu, just so good. I uh, I'm currently on my second run of it of the two seasons. Oh wow! I'm just so enamored with the writing. Yeah, and the acting. Yeah, and how real it feels. Yeah, how genuine the actors seem. <laughs> Like the music vested. The music is amazing. <laughs> they have like Counting Crows and REM and Pearl Jam on there. Like, and it's just consistent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They do that. They have Can't Hardly Wait by the replacements on it. I've been listening to that like constantly just because like, yeah, it, they, they played it twice on multiple finales and I'm just like, Oh, I f I'm like feeling it. You know, that's a, I don't, I'm not a replacements guy mm. and, but, mm -hmm. but I love, I mean, I'm not, not as much as like Mike Dunn or like, yeah. People oh, who are people like love, love yeah. the replacements. Right. And, and so like, I fully recognize that I'm in the minority here and there, yeah. you know, we all have those bands, yes. right? Like, yes. Um, I don't know their catalog beyond a handful of songs, but the, the covers, there are a handful of covers of can't hardly wait. Yeah. That, like Micah Schnabel does one. Oh, um, I know Micah. Yeah, on a record that he did like uh, I don't know, gosh, ten or twelve years yeah. ago. Uh, he That's has a cover know. that I highly recommend, folks. Look it up if you haven't. Um, I mean, I'm the biggest Micah Schnabel fan. Yeah, you know, like one of the biggest Micah Schnabel dude. fans. On he's a great person and an incredible songwriter, incredible writer. His novel's wonderful. He's been on the show twice. I can't say enough about Micah. Yeah. But and Two Cow Garage and. But that solo record he did uh, can't hardly wait, and it was just like it's a great, it's great fucking tune. Yeah. It's just sometimes the band that wrote it and recorded it, it just doesn't hit for you, doesn't land yeah, for you for whatever exactly. reason, right? Like I don't know what that is. Uh, I like I like other people doing REM songs. That's I don't, fair. I don't dial up REM. That's fair. Ever. You know who does really well, really good REM tunes in town? John David Williams. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Okay. I've heard him do some good REM REM tunes. Um, I mean, the the two Isabel covers on Georgia Blue. Yeah. Driver Eight and Driver eight. Um, Night Swimming. Yep. 
Both of Driver those. Driver Aid, dude. It's great. It's great, great song. I'm still blown by Honey, blown away by Honeysuckle Blue, though. Yeah. Like, and Tyler and I got to go see Isbell in the, in the 400 unit up in Atlanta um, two years ago. Okay. And Morgan Wade was supposed to open. She had to cancel because she had a voice issue. Uh, she was sick or something. She fell ill. And uh, bummer. Kevin Kinney showed up. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Showed up, turned on his Shout lineup. Shout out Kevin. Played. He's probably not listening. But no, well, we're has, friends. But has I think we're Facebook show. friends, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think I messaged him one time, and I was like, I see you're friends with Terry Binion. <laughs> I was like, can I be your friend, too? Um, that was one of, dude, that was one of the wildest conversations. I, I talked to Kevin for like two hours, well, yeah. and then I looked up and was just like, in fact, I ran out of uh, memory on my recorder while wow. I was talking to Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah, he's a it was amazing. Guy. So, so when they brought him out to sing "Honeysuckle Blue" with Sadler, I was like, that's "What?" Dope. So that song has hit me tremendously. But that's great that you're bringing up Isbell. So let's segue into that real quick. Yeah, let's do it. I, uh, I've had this such an interesting relationship with Isbell's music mm. in the last handful of years, where he'll come out with this album or any album that he comes out, reunions, Nashville sound. And I'll sit with it and I'll listen to it for like a, like a week or so. And then I'll start to like veer away from it because I, because I always feel like that, you know, I don't want to get sucked into this. Like I'm only listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate saying that, but it's true. I know what you mean though. Yeah. It's a true feeling of like when you really dive into his music, then you start wanting to listen to all of his shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say that like with weather veins that came out, the first, and, and right off the bat, I was like, this is the album of the year. And we talked about it. Yeah, we did. Because I literally, you told me, you said this might be the best record that he's ever put out. Yeah. And I, then I still I, think that. And I sat with it and I was like, well, I have my favorites now. Yeah. And then like, I kind of held off a little bit. And then we went and saw him in St. Augustine a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And that was one of the best, that was probably, aside from getting to see them at Dr. Phillips Center with Amanda, yeah. Uh, earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. That was such a treat to have Amanda there and like hear yeah. them in that sound. Yeah. Um, that was their best performance. I think so too. They brought so much and yep. and you know they played all the new songs from Weather Veins except for like two, two. and they were fucking unbelievable. Yep. Like they were everything you wanted them to be and he played King of Oklahoma and I was just like oh wept my, and screamed that and fucking performance and of King of I Oklahoma. I just dude. think that that song. <clears throat> It sums up that Isbell is not dried up. He's not done. He's only just getting started. Yeah, and yep. that's who I've been. That's who I've been fucking with these last like. Yep. I I've just been listening to Isbell because Weather Veins has gotten me into other songs that I haven't given enough time to. Yeah, yeah. One of those we've met. Oh, it's a great song, man. Yeah. And I know, I knew it. Yeah. And I've yeah, known it yeah. for years. Yeah. Sure. But it came up on this like Isbell playlist that I have. Yeah. And I had to like rewind it. Yeah. I had to go back to the beginning at the end of it. And I was like, why am I connecting so hard to this? Like, yeah. why am I feeling so? And you know what was really cool? And I'll just say this about that St. Augustine show. I got to bring my girlfriend. Yeah. She had never been to an Isbell concert. Mm. She's not always been like a, you know, she doesn't, she knows Cover Me Up. She knows like some of the big hits. Like if we were vampires, she recognized that. But like to see, you know, on top of like me crying like a baby to these songs behind her and like just holding her tight. Like, yeah, yeah. She at the end of the show was like, that was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, 
is like it's not just about the image that Isbell gives off or or the person that he is or how he talks or what he says on Twitter or or yeah. how he speaks his mind politically and how he stands up for people who are undermined and, and you know like yeah. all those things at the end of the day he is speaking my language yeah like yeah, he's saying yeah, something yeah, to yeah. me that I understand you know yeah and it's like i i feel like i'm living like i like there's like a vicarious like Everything's okay, guys. Yeah, nothing's out. You're doing great. Thank you, though. Thank you. Um, it's it's just been diving into weather veins in particular. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say this: like when we were close. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't know Justin Townsend personally, obviously. Yeah. Um, I did have the opportunity to write one of his lyrics incorrectly when I posted. On my words and music handle. I told you about that I remember story. that, yeah. And he corrected me. Yeah. He said, it's this word, not that word. And I went, thank you, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. He went, it's all right. Thank you yeah, for sharing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And then, you know, he sadly passed away. And I, I just, I, 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 you know, you don't realize. There, there are a couple of things that I could unpack about when we were close. It's like he, you know, Jason, like, literally ripped open a vein that yeah. nobody knew. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you knew that they were. You knew, you knew that they yeah. had a relationship. Yeah. You knew that we all knew that if you're an Isabel fan and you're a JTE fan, you know there's something there. You know about Amanda's history. You know about all the stuff. Yeah, but you don't know the the level, the brevity of like, of like what it meant. Yeah, and so for Jason to to write that song, and put it on an album and be strong in it and powerful in it and proud of it, and to see him sing those words on stage in front of thousands of people. Yeah. That blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Because like, that's like songwriting is not an easy thing. It's not easy to like put your heart on your sleeve and talk about things that like, you almost don't want people to hear. You don't want people to know that type of stuff, that type of relationship. Yeah. You don't want people to know about like the thought of like picturing my friend, like when he died, like what that was like, or like leaving his daughter behind. Like there is some heavy, heavy shit. Yeah excuse me, on that song. Yeah. And, and those, that's like the, for me, that's like, Isabel is setting the, setting the standard. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, it, I mean, obviously I love BJ Barham and yeah. I have John Prine tattooed on my fucking arm. So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But, but I also have be afraid, do it anyway. I tattooed on the other side of my arm. And that's a reminder of like, Go for it. Awesome. You know? Yeah. And like, if it weren't for Isabel's writing and, and the type of artist that he is and and how strong he is in it mm-hmm. and how he puts himself out there and he's genuine and you gotta go you gotta be out there and talk to people and you have to show them love and, and be true to yourself and authentic. I I look up to Jason Isbell in that sense of like obviously your music's impeccable in my mm. eyes, but like you're living a life that like, I think a lot of us artists wish we could like aspire to do and yeah. live. And I know that that can be a level of, that can be heavy 
for an mm-hmm. artist to be mm-hmm. like, I don't want you to. I don't want you to live my life. Like, yeah. that was something that to go back and kind of tie everything up with Thomas. That was kind of something that Thomas put out there. Like, don't make the same mistakes that I did. As like a big brother figure, as a coach, if I had gone things a little differently, maybe it would have been a little different this way or that way or this way or that way. And I learned a lot from that mm-hmm. of the sense of like, don't, don't follow your mentors. Listen to them. Take their advice. Oh, and like, wow. like, don't try to be them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be Mike Dunn. I'm not going to be BJ Barnum. I'm not going to be Terry Binion. I'm not going to be Thomas Wynn or Hannah or, you know, but I'm going to learn from them. Yeah. They're my teachers. Yeah. You know, so that's like, that's, that's something that I, I, I take to heart. And like, again, it's not lost on me. None mm-hmm. of this is lost on me that like we've gotten to where we are without the sense of like believing in myself and, and believing that I can do it. I think we tend for me, I tend to put my blinders on to just be like, just be relentless and just like, go, 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 yeah, go, uh-huh. go and push and push yeah. and push. And at the end of the day, you have to take a second to be like, where are we? What am yeah. I doing? Yeah. How is this looking? Look around for a second. Take this in. Yeah. You know, and that's what I got to do Saturday. So I'm again, I'm riding high, pretty high right now. Yeah. In a good sense of like, uh, you know, sky's the limit. And if I could just say one more thing yeah. Yeah, before we wrap it up, yeah. um, this interview in in particular is something that it was on my on my like checkbox list. Oh wow! Like when we got to talk before, you know, we got to talk a little bit, get to know each other, that whole thing. But like to be able to sit and talk with you, who I admire as a friend and as an interviewer, as a a podcast, you know, doing the things that you're doing and talking to the people that you're talking to and just admiring all the hard work that you've been putting in to doing what you're doing, to be able to be on that list of people that that you're talking to, that's a big honor for me. Man. Yeah. Thank I love you. you, brother. I love you too, man. And this was what I thought it would be, which is yeah. absolutely delightful. <laughs> <laughs> that was really great, man. I think uh, if I can make a guest cry, if I can make them laugh... <laughs> You've done all those I've done, things. I've done it. You've I've done, done it. You did it, man. Give me a high five yeah. on that. Hell yeah. Yeah, you did it. Uh, now I get to go home and be like, I cried. Yeah, you I cried on record. No, and it's, uh, that's staying in, buddy, so <laughs> just know. That's fine. I want people to know, you know, that again, none of it's lost on me. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm no bigger than anybody else who was just trying to make it and get somewhere with their music. And I got to tell you, like, if you're going to go down this road of playing music for people, you got to know everything that it encompasses because mm-hmm. it is not just about you. It is not just about your ego. Mm-hmm. It's not just about your skills or your talent or what you have to say. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's being annoying on social media. <laughs> I mean like really annoying. Yeah. Like it's all of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think we would have gotten up to 200 people at Will's pub on Saturday night coming to see us if I wasn't annoying as shit. Yeah. Right. It's just the truth. You just have to be vulnerable, authentic, true. Don't bullshit anybody. And you know, it'll come back to you. I again like with with my girlfriend now, she went and asked around about me when we first went out on a date. Ah. Yeah. She said, What do we know about Jordan Foley? And they all came back and said, I know nothing but good things. Uh, He's a good guy. He means well. I haven't heard any dirt. Yeah. Give him a chance. Yeah, yeah. 
fuck. I mean, if you can have that type of reputation, like, yeah, great. Well, that's, I mean, hold on to it. Don't, <laughs> don't. right. Well, that's, we're not, dude. we're not perfect, you know, but like, no, but your image is important, but you're a damn good man. And you, man. you're, you're a great friend and you're an incredible songwriter and performer and Thank buddy. You, I'm so proud of you. Thanks, man. I love you, dude. I love you. Too. The world that we got to do this. Thank, you so did. Thank you. So have a drink with us. Then you'll see. Then you'll see. Jordan Foley, y'all. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank all of you for listening. JordanFoleyMusic.com for all things Jordan Foley. Jordan Foley in the wheelhouse is the man himself, along with Mikey Guzman, Tyler Hood, Matt Wassum, and Chris Faustman. Shop.PaintedLadyRecords.us to get a physical copy of the excellent new album. The song you're hearing in this episode is Train to St. Louis. That's one of those wonderful new tunes. Follow Jordan on social media. Also follow his account, Words Plus Music, that celebrates songwriting. I got to take over that account a while back and had a blast doing so. So who knows? Maybe you'll see me over there in the future. Marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, Spoutable, Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon. We're on all the things. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. Go do that right now while you're listening, please. It makes a big difference for us and costs so little of your time and effort. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just two bucks a month, y'all, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. Y'all, you can now try a free trial of Patreon. See if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days. Set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel and keep going if you dig it. Um, We really appreciate everybody who uh, trusts us with their treasure over there. And I have fun making stuff for that show, for uh, for the Patreon rather. We have a monthly show called What We're Getting Down On that we produce over there, which is a conversation between me and my good friend Peter Haroldson where we talk about the art that has us fired up at the moment. If you want to support the show financially, maybe you just really enjoyed this particular episode, for example, and you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can Venmo or PayPal us just at the marinade and all the money goes right back into making the show. There is no conversation like that with uh, River Shook in episode 140 or Willie Carlisle from 141 where we got to travel and cover a festival and, uh, and, and sit down face to face. That doesn't happen without our Patreon patrons. Um, We could have done things on Zoom, and that would have been great, uh, but it's so special to do it in person, to have a conversation face-to-face with somebody. Above all, y'all, we're just thankful that you listen and spread the word about the marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.